Can't get enough of Rebel Girls? Well, luckily, the Rebel Girls app is now completely free. That's right, you can listen to the entire library of goodnight stories for Rebel Girls ad-free. Plus, check out the app's cool features like activities, trivia, custom playlists, and more. All parent-trusted and kids-safe. Find out more at rebelgirls.com slash audio and download the Rebel Girls app today. Thanks for listening. I don't know about you, but we love mystery stories. That's why the Upside Down Story is one of our favorite podcasts. It turns a tale flipsy-flopsy upside-downsy so that you need to listen to the clues to figure out who the mystery storyteller is. Search for the Upside Down Story on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello there, Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host with the most and keeper of the strangest, spookiest tales on Earth. Today is another Ivy's chilling tale. This literary tale, Story Club members, might teach you not to mess with someone else's narrative. It's one I call Ghost Rider. What I really need is just a polish, Ivy. Producer Jeffrey Janice said to me, Not a total rewrite, just some tweaks. Though I wrote the script, I don't have time to make it younger and hipper. You know, like you. Wow, this producer of indie movies thinks I'm hip? Little does he know how kids in high school used to make fun of me for how non-hip I was because I didn't look or act like them. Icky Ivy was their nom de plume for me. I guess being a total horror nerd all through my public school years paid off in dividends. Now, here I was, sitting in an office in Hollywood, working on a movie screenplay. And the pay I was contracted for was pretty decent for what would probably be a week's worth of work. Well, Mr. Janice, I said with a smile, I'll give it my best shot. Please, call me Jeff. As I told you on the phone, Ivy, I was listening to your chilling podcast and I really like how you spin a phrase. And the screenplay samples you sent me were fantastic. They're not movies I can produce, mind you, as they're a little out of our production budget, but you know what you're doing. Thanks, I appreciate that. So you'll be put up at the Roosevelt Hotel. I'll send you the screenplay file and you can get to work. How long do you think it'll take until you can show me something? We're needing this right away. Well, with plenty of energy drinks and coffee, I might get it done sooner. Did I say I could do it in a week already? Ah, who needs sleep anyway, right? I can show you a first pass in 24 hours. What? I can't believe I just said that out loud. 24 hours, Ivy? Seriously? An hour later, I was staring at the open document on my laptop and wondering where to start. Well, I guess I figured I could just go light on the script polish and revise some dialogue. Make it a little more hip, as Jeff had requested. His name was on the title page of the script, called Ghost Rider. But as I started to rewrite the dialogue, the lights in my hotel room began to flicker in. Uh, okay? I ordered some room service and had gotten through the first 10 pages. However, as the food was being delivered to my door, I noticed that all the changes were being deleted on the screen. An invisible force was typing on my keyboard. The cozy room had also dropped like 20 degrees. This had to be a ghost. As I dashed to my laptop to stop the invisible invader, it slams closed. Then, when I opened the computer again, the file had been deleted. Ugh, I don't have time for this. After calling Mr. Janice with a request to resend the file, I dialed my psychic friend, Autumn Nash. 
I invited her to fly down to sunny California immediately, but she said she was too busy with work. Oh, the stress of trying to please the producer with the script on a tight deadline and facing negative supernatural energy in the hotel room on my own is too much. I felt crushed by anxiety, almost like being trapped under a heavy blanket. I started to cry on the phone. Autumn's not only a sensitive, as mediums are often called, but she's also actually sensitive and highly empathetic. So she said she would hop on the next flight to help me out. The oppression in my room is too much to shake off. So I leave, going down to the gym to work out and take a long sauna before Autumn is able to join me. Three hours later, my friend Autumn pulls up in an Uber to the Roosevelt Hotel. Still in my gym clothes, I meet her and tell her everything. Sounds like somebody doesn't want you to tamper with that script. Yeah, I said, but who exactly and why? Autumn and I went up to the room. She sidled in first. Autumn is brave like that. There's an angry presence in here, but not just anger. Rage. Pure rage. Yeah, I said, that's obvious. Autumn shook her head. Uh, no, not obvious. Most people don't even notice the spirits that are two inches in front of them. You have to be tuned into the spirit world. My psychic friend called out to the spirit, and we learned something that would make the plot of a great movie. Just not one I wanted to be a part of. The original script of Ghost Rider was written by a new, young writer named Dalton Mills. Looking his name up, Autumn and I discovered that he passed away several weeks ago when his car crashed in the Hollywood Hills. Huh. So if Dalton Mills had actually written Ghost Rider, then why was Jeffrey Janice's name on the script? The spirit of Dalton Mills revealed to Autumn that he never showed the script to anyone, not even his girlfriend. Only Mr. Janice. The producer loved it so much, he'd exclaimed that it would probably win an Oscar. And Mr. Janice really wanted an Oscar. So he had had the real screenwriter run off the road in an accident and claimed the script as his own. Wow, Mr. Janice. And I really thought you were a nice guy. Autumn asked the spirit how he could prove everything he claimed. And so, the ghost of Dalton Mills told us. After he did, I restored the name on the ghostwriter's script to his. And Autumn helped his unrested spirit cross over to the other side, finally at peace. Dalton Mills had a copy of the script saved on his laptop, and he gave us the password. His laptop was locked in Jeffrey Janice's home vault in the Hollywood Hills. When we told a Los Angeles detective what we'd uncovered, being careful to leave out the ghost part, she said that Jeffrey Janice was a suspect in many unlawful acts. And in 24 hours, instead of receiving my rewrite, Mr. Janice was arrested for setting up the murder of Dalton Mills along with his accomplice who had driven the hit car. Unfortunately though, the production was shut down and my Tinseltown screenwriting career ended right there. But at least my psychic friend Autumn and I helped to solve a murder and allowed a restless spirit to find justice and peace. So there's that. Thanks, Autumn. Love you, girl. Hello again, Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host with the most and keeper of the strangest, spookiest tales on Earth. Today is another Ivy's chilling tale. This undead tale, Story Club members, might teach you not to play with dead things. It's one I call Homebody. You guys, I have this seriously cool thing that I could show you. My friend Billy McDermott announced, 
What is it? My friend Sarah Bowman asked. It's a secret. Billy loves to drag out a good reveal. Billy, I said, just tell us. It's something I kinda can't explain, so you're just gonna have to come and see it yourselves. Ugh, I really wasn't in the mood. I'm tired and I just wanna go home and have a snack. It had been a long day at school and I was really feeling it. Oh, I got you covered. Billy wasn't letting us off the hook that easy. My mom went to the store, so we have a fresh supply of cheese and crackers and orange crush. That'll wake you right up. Well, why didn't you say so in the first place? Sarah said, sounding much more enthusiastic. So we went to Billy's house. His parents were at work and he wouldn't tell us what the big surprise was as we walked. To tell you the truth, I didn't really care that much. I hadn't had much for lunch, so my head was all swimmy from hunger. After we made some little cheese and cracker sandwiches and slugged down some cold sodas, I was in a better mood, and Sarah and I were ready for Billy's big unveiling. Then, under my feet, I felt a thud, and what sounded like the clanking of a chain. What was that? Sarah asked. It's part of my surprise, Billy said. Don't tell me. You have an escaped lion from the zoo chained up down in your cellar, Sarah teased. Billy smiled. Something like that. He hefted a one-pound package of raw hamburger out of the refrigerator. My stomach was starting to churn with anxiety. Wait, seriously, you have some kind of caged animal in your basement? I asked. Would you guys just put a sock in it and follow me already? So Sarah and I followed Billy down the stairs. He lives in an old house that has a cellar. When we came to the bottom of the stairs, we ran into the cellar door. It had a padlock on it. Billy fished the key out from his pocket and unlocked the lock. He turned to us. Behind this door is the biggest secret ever, Billy says. You cannot tell another living soul, okay? I didn't know what to say. The suspense was killing me at this point. Yeah, okay, fine. Can we hurry this up? Sarah was looking as nervous and excited as I felt. Yeah, Billy, seriously. As Billy opened the door to the dark room, the smell was the first thing to hit me. The cellar reeked of decaying meat, like a steak that's been left in the refrigerator for far too long. Two pale hands reached out to grab me, but the action is halted by a chain that's bolted into the wall. The hands belong to a man, but he's not a living man. He's a zombie. For a moment, I was too shocked to speak, and then it all made sense. A few weeks ago, there was an outbreak in our area. Some experimental military chemical had spilled out, causing the dead to come back to life. People were calling them the living dead or zombies. The zombies started attacking people by biting them. If you were bitten, you became a zombie yourself. Fortunately, before it became an epidemic, local law enforcement and military forces rounded up all the undead and made sure they were respectfully put to rest a second time. This was one of them. And Billy had captured him. But how? And why? I call him Bod, Billy said. Get it? As in body? This is really sick, Billy. Sarah shuddered. Why? Why would you do this? Why not? This is history. It's kind of like having a pet. Are you serious? I said. This was a person once. Show some respect. Not to mention that this zombie is incredibly dangerous. If he bites you, you'll become infected and be just like him. Why do you think he's chained up, stupid? Billy retorted. As long as I stay out of his reach and away from his mouth, I'll be fine. 
My friend ripped open the hamburger meat from upstairs and threw it toward Bod. The gray-skinned zombie, wearing a three-piece suit, grabbed the pink meat and stuffed it into his blackened mouth. Watching this made me want to throw up. If he's dead, why does he eat? Sarah asked. Zombies don't really eat, Billy said. Not like us, anyway. It's just an automatic response. Do your parents know about this? I asked. Nah, they don't pay attention much, and it's better that way. You can't keep Bod down here forever, Billy, Sarah insisted. He's, uh, rotting. Oh my gosh, relax, would you? You guys worry too much. After Bod finished his hamburger, he moaned, craving more food. That's all you get, Big Bod, Billy said. He made a gesture that suggested he had nothing more in his hands to offer. Bod the zombie didn't like that. He became enraged, growling at us. Um, let's get out of here, Billy, I shuddered, before he breaks loose. Relax, Billy said. That's a solid steel chain, and it's bolted into the wall. But Bod lunged again, and the chain pulled free from the wall. Realizing that he's no longer a captive to the four-foot length of chain, Bod lumbers after us. Run! Billy, Sarah, and I charge out of the cellar and to the stairwell. Billy tried to slam and lock the door on Bod, but the zombie reached a grayish-green arm through the doorwell, preventing my friend from closing it. The zombie pushed against the door as hard as he could, moaning loudly. Run! Go get help! I can't hold it much longer! Sarah and I rushed upstairs and down the hall. We heard Billy's muffled screams, and then nothing. As we raced toward the back door, Billy's mother came walking in. Um, Mrs. McDermott, I said, there's a huge problem. Whew, that was one intense tale, beloved listeners. If the narrator and Sarah were lucky, they managed to stop Bod before he created an army of zombies. Poor Billy McDermott, though. He should have left well enough alone. I guess if Bod's arrested by the police, at least he'll never be taken alive. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm.
like to laugh? Ah, who am I kidding? Who doesn't like to laugh? So, okay, if you love to laugh, you'll love Don't Break the Rules. It's a hilarious comedy improv podcast where the voice actors make up their lines on the spot and try to be the only actor who doesn't break the rules. These talented actors are great at coming up with silly scenes and stories when they follow the rules for the episode. And it gets even sillier when they accidentally break the rules. The stories are guided by suggestions from kids like you, and the episodes feature laughs, burps, and the occasional unicorn. So if you'd like to giggle and play along, be sure to listen to Don't Break the Rules wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello again, Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host with the most and keeper of the strangest, spookiest tales on Earth. Today is another Ivy's chilling tale. This blood-soaked tale, Story Club members, might make you stay away from hospitals. It's one I call Thirsty Thursday. I've been watching the man across the street for three days now, ever since he moved in. Before he turned up, the old house stood empty long enough for the green grass to become a mess of brown weeds. My name's Celeste, and I'm like your other 11-year-old girls. I love music. I also observe things and record observations in my Google Doc journal. My recent subject is my new neighbor. He enters his house before dawn and then leaves after dark. He gives me the creeps. He's over six feet tall and pencil thin with pale skin and black hair. He wears a dark suit, always. I don't know if the other neighbors are even aware of him. They don't seem to notice. I notice things though. Yesterday, I checked his mailbox. His name is Vlad Doyle. Weird name. Mr. Doyle's a vampire, I'm sure of it. I don't know what I'm gonna do with the information I'm gathering. Maybe I'll turn it over to the police, but I can't do that unless I can somehow prove that Mr. Doyle's a vampire. I know quite a lot about bloodsuckers. I have read everything I can find about them, and I don't watch any of the movies since they get the facts wrong more often than not. So now it's Thursday night. Mr. Doyle has left the house and I am ready. I pull my black story club hoodie over my head to blend in with the night. Then I quickly stalk across the yard, following Mr. Doyle cautiously from a distance. If he suspected that he was being followed, I'd sure end up his next meal. Mr. Doyle strolls down the sidewalk. Through windows, I can see families in their houses, gathering around their dinner tables or basking in the blue glow of their televisions. The sight of all these innocent people makes me miss my own family. But I don't think about that now. Focus is everything in a high-stakes situation like this one. The Night Stalker crosses over to Main Street, and I follow him without missing a beat. This town, Brewster Heights, is the perfect place for a vampire to operate. It's a small suburb, and people usually mind their own business. Well, no bloodsucker is gonna come into my town and hurt people, and possibly make even more vampires. Forget it. A few people are still out roaming the streets. Mr. Doyle glides past them. They don't even regard him, which is weird considering his stature. As I pass a mother, father, and their two children going by, they all shoot me a weird look. I smile at them, but they just whisper to themselves. Whatever, weirdos. My suspect walks into Brewster Heights Memorial Hospital. The small hospital stands quiet and dark, almost like it's sleeping. I guess the visiting hours are over. 
So what is Mr. Doyle doing there? Will he be preying on bedridden patients who can't defend themselves? What a monster! Mr. Doyle opens the hospital side door using a card key and slips inside. How did the creep get a card key? He must have stolen it from one of the hospital staff. Maybe he took it off one of his victims. At any moment now, the hospital door will close automatically. At the last second, I dash inside, just before the heavy hospital door seals tight. The hallway is empty with no doctors or nurses walking around. And no Mr. Doyle. I've lost him. I read the signs and deduced that he could have gone into one of the two hospital wings. I choose the north wing on a hunch and head that direction. I don't get more than 100 feet when I spot a room with a sign. Blood bank. The door stands ajar. So that's it. Mr. Doyle had been sneaking into the house at night and stealing blood out of the hospital's emergency supplies. I have to admit that that's quite clever. As long as he doesn't let his victims pile up and he dines on the supplies in the blood bank, this Night Stalker will probably be able to keep a low profile for a long time. Cautiously, I peek in the room. Nothing but rows and rows of refrigeration units. I slip inside. My plan is to hide and wait. I bet Mr. Doyle will enter, steal blood, and escape. When he does, I'll alert the hospital staff and he'll be caught red-handed. Literally. Waiting in the dark room scares me. I hope Mr. Doyle doesn't take too long. I'm surrounded by so much blood. The electric humming of the refrigerators reminds me of whining summer mosquitoes. I hide for what seems like an eternity. Mr. Doyle never shows up. How did he trick me? Maybe he spotted me following him and changed his plan. Curiously, I open up one of the refrigerator units. Shelves of dark blood bags are sorted by type. A, B, O, and A, B. I grab an A-type bag. I feel incredibly thirsty, I guess from all the sleuthing. Hey, you! Someone shouts from behind me. Freeze! The room lights snap on. It's Mr. Doyle. He stands there in his suit, his cruel eyes studying me. It's the end of the line, vampire girl. Huh? And then I see it, in the metal file cabinet. The bag of type A blood I'm holding is reflected, but not me. Only vampires don't cast reflections. I don't know how you've been sneaking into the hospital, Celeste, Mr. Doyle continued, but your nights of stealing blood are over. He fishes out a walkie-talkie from his pocket and shouts into it. Security? Doyle here. I've got an intruder. You'll never believe what she's up to. Okay, that one had a fun twist. The vampire that turns out not to be a vampire and the non-vampire that is a vampire. That makes all the blood in my head rush around in confusion and excitement. I wonder if Celeste is gonna escape Mr. Doyle and find more all-you-can-eat blood bank buffets. <laughs> I'll be back tomorrow with another episode because every story club member needs a little scare every day. Ivy out. Go, kid, go! Good news alert! We've sniffed out a winner from the Go, Kid, Go team, Snoop and Sniffy. What happens when Snoop, an experienced dog detective from London, gets sent to small-town Pflugerville to train clueless puppy Sniffy as an undercover agent? 
mystery, adventure, and chaos. Seriously, the town of Pflugerville isn't Dullsville like Snoop expected, and he quickly realizes that he can't handle all the action without Sniffy by his side. Even when they're able to turn a blind eye to the alien superheroes and villains battling it out for control of Pflugerville, Snoop and Sniffy have their paws full on Bark Street, with hilarious busybodies like Lorraine the Neighborhood Watchduck, Poot the Groundhog, and Fred the Squirrel popping around. Do you love to laugh? Do you love animals? Do you have the brightest mind since Sherlock Holmes? Yes? Then tag along with us for the fun and see if you can help solve the mysteries by listening to Snoop and Sniffy on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.